I want to do a uh, brief series of messages uh, called Faith Simple. We're just going to take a look at some concepts related to our faith over the next few weeks and uh, just try to simplify and clarify and just sort of refocus on what's important to God in our context as members of his family. And so I want to begin that series with a a glimpse at the church. And part of what prompted this was we're we're going to be electing uh, some officers today, hopefully. I'm not sure about Ross. You may vote against him, but that's okay. Um, Yeah. (laughs) And uh, so we'll be electing some officers today, and it just got me thinking about how God builds his church, what he is up to, what it's all about. And so I want to take us through a, a chapter of the book of Romans that if you've been reading through your Bible and you're anything at all like me, you probably skipped it or skimmed it or just went, huh? I can't even pronounce half of those names or nine-tenths of those names. And let me give you a little Bible reading tip. If you're ever asked to read something like this out loud in church, I thought about doing that to one of you, but I, there's, there's none of you that I dislike that much. Um, I'm Oscar, maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, sorry, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to displace you from... Yes, okay. But uh, <clears throat> this is one of those deals where just say it with authority, no one will question you. When you get to the weird names, just say them with great authority and no one will, no one will hesitate. They'll be like, oh, wow, that, she knows exactly what she's saying. Did you hear the way she said that? It's sort of like if you've ever, um, if you've ever gone with Smitty on a service call, he walks into like restaurant kitchens like he owns the place. And if you do that, you can walk right into the back. You can walk right into the walk-in freeze. As long as you walk in like you own the place, don't hesitate, don't flinch, don't look uncertain. The only person who will question you is the owner, the person who actually owns the place. Everybody else will be like, oh, wow, you know, go on in. So uh, that's how you read weird names in the Bible, which is exactly how I'm going to read them. Uh, and you'll have no idea whether I'm right or wrong. All right. So this is a chapter that's going to sound bizarre at first, but we're going to just try to simplify and crystallize what's here and make it as simple as possible. So Paul has just finished a grand theological treatise we call the Book of Romans, and he wrote about 11 chapters of theology, about 3 or 4 chapters, 3 chapters, 12 13, 14, and 15, four chapters of application, and now he's kind of wrapping it up. And uh, a little bit of background, just so you know, Paul had been uh, blinded by Christ when he was on his way to attack some Christians. He was a devout Jew. And his eyesight recovered temporarily, but for the rest of his life, he would suffer from a diminishing level of sight. 
He was increasingly blind over the course of the rest of his life and ministry. And so he has someone who is, who, to whom he is dictating this letter, and you will hear that person refer to himself uh, later in this passage. But that's what's going on there. Paul is uh, legally blind by this point, and he's dictating to uh, a scribe, basically. But, um, okay, we're just going to pick up chapter 16 of the book of Romans and try to understand what God is saying to us about his church. Romans chapter 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincrea, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Apeanitis, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphenea and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympos, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you, but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is the host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. The only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a heck of a conclusion. Um, What's the first thing that stands out to you as you read that? Lots of names. 
and lots of weird names. Those poor people, come on. Um, it's all about the people. The church is about the people. What is the church? Well, Paul just answered that question in a very real way. Look at the human connections that existed between these believers. It's astonishing, really. Um, The number of names, if if you're... uh, a little bit ADD, and you want to count up the total number of names, uh, go ahead. I, you can throw that number to me when you get it. Um, uh, Terry, you can't count, so we won't, we won't have our treasurer do that. But uh, anyway, if you want to do that, count them up. Let me know how many you got. But uh, it's all about the people. The church is about people. There's a phrase that Paul uses, and this all depends on how you want to count uh, words. But the phrase, in Christ or in the Lord, occurs at least 11 times. And then there's a, a to Christ and an of Christ or something like that. But uh, this idea of being in Christ, that the people of whom Paul is speaking are those who are in Christ. This is what defines us, that we are the people who are brought together in Christ. The, The verses you see listed next to that phrase, brought together in Christ, are all places where it says either in to or of Christ. If you added to that uh, in the Lord, the phrases where Paul says in the Lord, if you count that as one, you have like 13 different references in the course of 16 verses to those of us who are counted in Christ. We're in a family of people. We're brought into that family by his sacrifice. I should have put verse 5 Next to that, uh, there's the, the first person, this is rather remarkable, that Paul records the very first, sorry, I'm old, I've got to do this, um, it says, greet my beloved Epineatus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. So, outside of um, Jerusalem, and what we would call Israel, over in what we would today call Turkey, someone accepted Christ at the teaching of the apostles. His name was Epineatus. And he was the first, the very first person outside of this group of Jews to accept Christ as his Savior. And his name is recorded for all of history. He was the first person, the first soul into which the gospel broke forth out of its Jewish context. Wow. That was the beginning of a literally unending run of the gospel 
breaking into non-Jewish souls. Um, So we have this idea that we are saved by the sacrifice of Christ. We are brought into God's family by the sacrifice that Christ performed on our behalf. The idea that if the church is about people, Christ became a people, he became a human and suffered and died for humans, for people. We're brought together in Christ by his sacrifice and we're brought together for the sake of his kingdom, his family of people on earth. The house of God is built out of people. We are brought together in Christ and we are made equal in Christ. This is perhaps the most astonishing part of the list we just read of names. Um, 35, and we're going to back out two. I'll explain why in a minute, but uh, Aristobulus and Narcissus are going to be backed out because he's referring to their households. They were actually jerks and idiots and not Christians, but they had people in their households, mainly slaves and freedmen working for them, who were Christians. And so Paul is saying, greet everyone who works for those two idiots because I love them. Their bosses, not so much. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So what was the total? 35 minus two idiots. 33 people are referred to by name in this passage. And of those 32, uh, nine are of those individually referred to are women. Um, Paul says we're all equal in Christ. He refers to women Uh, by name and affirms them, affirms their role in the church, their service to the church, their hearts, their souls are equal in the eyes of God. Verses 1, 3, 6, 12, 13, and 15 all refer to women in the church. And Phoebe in particular, uh, who he refers to in verses 1 and 2, will actually be carrying the letter to the church of Rome with her when she goes from Corinth, where Paul was writing or dictating this, to Rome. She'll be taking it with her. She is the messenger, if you will. She's the courier for the gospel, or for the book of Romans. Think about the importance of what was put in her hands. The, the core of Christian theology is, is here in the book of Romans. This is perhaps the most important theological work uh, for Christianity. And it was placed in Phoebe's hands for her to deliver to the church in Rome. And she's also, in that verse, interestingly enough, called a deacon. That word for servant is is the Greek word from which we get deacon. And so Paul calls her, literally, our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church at Sincrea. And so... Here we have this... Now, anybody ever heard of Plato? No, Mike, not the doughy stuff you played with as a kid. The philosopher, P-L-A-T-O. You heard of that guy? You ever heard what he said about women? It ain't cool. At least half of you would not like it at all. 
So, for Paul to be writing in the context, most of the names that he lists here are, are Greek names, Greek Greco-Roman names. And he is granting full equality, worth, value, and esteem to the women involved in the family of God. Uh, anyone who's read Plato on the subject of gender would know this is radical. This is absolutely radical. No one in the history of literature has ever written anything that actually establishes equality in terms of worth, value, intelligence, etc. between men and women. Paul is the first. And so here it is. Wow. We're made equal in Christ, both genders and all classes and races. This set of names includes women, Jews, Gentiles, wealthy, slaves, freedmen. Uh, you have a person named Aristobulus uh, who was a complete jerk. He was Herod's grandson, uh, Herod the Great, who tried to kill Jesus when he was a baby. Um, but it's not him that Paul is referring to. It's his household, that probably the slaves and servants who worked for him would be referred to under his title as household. And many of them had come to Christ, and Paul knew them personally. And then uh, you have this guy, Narcissus, who actually lived up to his name. And interestingly, he was already dead by the time Paul wrote this. Paul's referring not to Narcissus, you can't greet someone who's dead, but to his slaves and freedmen working for him. So Paul's referring, you know, you think about Phoebe, she's a wealthy uh, businesswoman from Corinth, and then he's also including in the same list of names people who are slaves, impoverished, etc. Rufus was the son of Simon of Cyrene. Anybody know who Simon of Cyrene is or was? When Jesus could no longer carry his cross, Simon of Cyrene was, was called upon by the Roman guards to carry it for him. He became a Christian. His son, Rufus, is part of the church now in Rome. You know where Cyrene is? Modern day Libya. And this is before, uh, so Islam doesn't come about for another 500 years. So North Africa is almost entirely black at this time. So Rufus is African. He's black. He's a completely different race from anyone else in the list. Doesn't matter. Look at what he's called. Chosen by God. Um, and uh, Terry, you'll be glad to know there's at least one CPA in the list. All right. Um, there's hope. There's hope. Yeah, Ross texted me a couple weeks ago and asked if there were any attorneys in the church. And I said, no, you have to be a Christian to be a member of hope. And uh, so, and then I sent that to about five of my attorney friends. So anyway who are Christians, just, you know, can't resist a lawyer joke. Okay. Um, all right. There's two guys 
who either, either have extremely uncreative mothers or they were slaves. Tertius and Quartus, that means third and fourth. So they, that probably was not the name they, they received from their mother. They were probably someone's slaves, quite honestly. And, and they were someone's third and fourth slaves. And if uh, one, two, or three, or one or two would have passed away, they might have gotten promoted. Right? That sounds crazy, but this is, this is ancient Rome. So two slaves are listed in Paul's traveling party, one of whom is the scribe, who writes down what Paul is dictating for the book of Romans. We are equal as members of the family of God, period. It doesn't matter where you came from, what you've been through, um, or anything else. What matters is that we are in Christ. We are forgiven. Uh, Paul refers to several prisoners in this, uh, in this letter, in this a chapter, um, it doesn't matter. We're forgiven. We're in. We're part of God's family. We're made equal in Christ. The church is about people, and the church is about service. It is the people who are together in Christ as we roll up our sleeves and serve alongside each other. We are to build unity. Paul comes at this from the negative in these verses uh, 17 through 20. He's telling them what not to do. Don't be jerks and don't be idiots. Don't be Narcissus and Aristobulus. Don't be that kind of person. They follow their own appetites. We need to be people who build unity, who resist the temptation to divide, and who are here to serve the interests of Christ alone, not our own appetites. The church is about service, and through service we build unity. When we serve alongside each other, we grow closer together. We're to build unity, and we're to fight evil. Paul reminds us this is a struggle. We are engaged in the battle between good and evil, and you are on the battlefield. You are on the front lines. It's not easy. It's not supposed to be easy to be a Christian. Um, You can turn on your TV and find plenty of people preaching about the easy life and how if you just believe, everything will be easier for you. You can have this great, wonderful life if you'll just believe. Um, Do you have any idea what Paul went through after he wrote this letter? He would be imprisoned he would be beaten he would be shipwrecked he would be snake bit he would be blind life was not easy for him and it's not going to be always easy for us that's not the point the point is that we're called together to serve and we're in a fight we're to be in the midst of that struggle obedient to christ paul reminds us to serve Him and obey Him, and to cling to the grace that is ours in Christ. This is where we are reminded that it's not about us. Our place in God's family is established 
by what Christ has done for us. Not by how well behaved we are, how smart we are, how well we appear to be holding our life together, but by what Christ has done on our behalf. So your life can fall apart and you can still be part of the family of God. Your world can collapse and you can still have a home. The church is about people. The church is about service. And the church is about the gospel. Paul refers to this gospel in the last few verses. And he he says actually, it's says according to my gospel gospel just it's a greek word that just means good news so read it that way to strengthen you according to my good news and the preaching of jesus christ the good news that you're forgiven that your sins are atoned for that you're free that you're loved that you're in you're in god's family and so This gospel that defines us is where we find our strength, Paul reminds us. That God is able to strengthen us through this good news of sort of bringing us into the humility of realizing that we're not the ones who accomplished this inclusion into God's family. It was done by Christ on our behalf because He loves us. And so, we find our strength by taking the truth of God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ in for ourselves and by taking it out to all nations. Paul essentially says that he he was Jewish, and so he's saying that we, as God's chosen people, took the grace and love and mystery and wonder of God and we hoarded it. For a few thousand years, we kept it to ourselves. And we rarely let it leak out into the communities around us. And now we see what God was saying to us through the prophets, through the Old Testament, through Moses and others, that His love is intended to reach to the ends of the earth, to all kinds of people in all kinds of places and stations in life. We have to take this gospel into our own hearts and wrestle through that need for forgiveness and grace that's ours in Christ, and then we have to take it out to the world. We find our strength in this gospel, and we find our hope in this gospel. Paul reminds us that it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that proves that God's Word is true. When you look at the Old Testament, particularly the prophetical components of the Old Testament, and you see how they are fulfilled in Christ, it is hugely confirming to your faith. To read a psalm that was written a thousand years before Christ showed up that describes the agony of the crucifixion, To read from Isaiah chapter 53 of the suffering servant and by His stripes we are healed. To see that with the clarity that comes after the cross, all of the arrows in the Old Testament that were pointing right at Christ. 
to see that is hugely confirming to our faith. It proves to our own hearts that God's Word is true and it brings His glory full circle. When the God who created it all is able to bring the chaos of humanity to a focal point in His Son to bring about the forgiveness and the grace that we could never find for ourselves and to make it real in history for us. That is the point where God's glory explodes in front of us. And we see again and again, not only did He create it, but He orchestrated all of history to come to the focal point of His love for us in Jesus Christ. As He builds His church, as He grows His kingdom, as He includes people like you and me in His family. Will you pray with me? God our Father, we thank You for the grace that is ours in Jesus Christ. That we are included in Your family. Contrary to what our own actions deserve, You have overcome all of that by becoming one of us, by living a sinless human life and offering that as a sacrifice and atonement for our sins. We thank You for the forgiveness and grace that are ours in Jesus Christ. We pray that You would continue to grow us into Your church. Help us to reach out and expand Your kingdom and Your grace in this world. May we be the light of Your love shining in darkness. In Your Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.